But God promised the children of Israel that he would make them his own special people by having mercy upon them. And likewise, he has assured the church that we are his people, having received the mercy of God through the saving faith of Jesus Christ. Therefore, our position in Christ should have us continually declaring the praises of Jesus to others, that we would be that holy nation, that we would represent Christ in this world that we find ourselves in today. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Alright, back in the book of Exodus tonight looking at chapters 19 and 20. Exodus chapters 19 and 20. Well, if I had to pick a key verse, two verses I picked from chapter 19, key to me in this chapter, verses 5 and 6, the word reads, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So God's speaking to Moses there from the holy mount of God, Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb, as we get into this. We'll learn about this. And God declaring to Moses his desire for the children of Israel, that they would be a kingdom of priests, that they would be a holy nation, that the Lord would set them up as a special treasure above all the other people of the earth. Now, as we know, we get through the Old Testament, we discover that the children of Israel did not live up to the covenant relationship that God desired for them to have. And there's other reasons at play that we will not find out until we get to the New Testament and the work of Jesus, of the reasons why. But in their inability to live up to the standard that God set before them, it opened a path for not only Jews to come to faith through Jesus Christ, but also Gentiles. So it brought us to a very good place. But here we find God's standard being set for the children of Israel. 
And I titled this chapter, Exodus 19, A Special Treasure. And we find that in verses 1 through 9, the children of Israel told Moses, go tell God what God has spoken we will do. Now that was their desire right off the bat, that they would be obedient to the word of God, the commands of God, although they would fail to live up to those commands, and this generation especially. They began with a very good desire. The word of God tells us in Exodus 19, verses 1 and 2, in the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day that they came to the wilderness of Sinai, for they had departed from Rephidim and had come to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. So three months after leaving Egypt, on the very same day they departed, they arrived and encamped before the mountain of God there in Sinai, also known as Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb. And I was actually questioning, is it Mount Sinai or is it Mount Horeb? And it seems that the two kind of interplay in Scripture, I was actually looking at my notes that I had written in my Bible, and I wrote, first of all, in my notes, this is what I wrote this morning, wrong mountain, Horeb, not Sinai. And so I had put a note in here, earlier referring this to Mount Horeb, not Sinai, and then I studied a little further and found that there's actually a debate on this, so I corrected that in my notes. But here's what I discovered. These mountains are called Horeb, sometimes Sinai. Some think that Horeb is the name of the whole range, and Sinai is the name of a particular mountain in that range, while others say that Sinai is the range, and Horeb is a particular mountain. And then Stanley suggests that the distinction is one of usage, and both names are applied to the same place. So Sinai, Mount Horeb, it seems that they're interchangeable. In fact, we find that God told Moses in Exodus 3.1, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then, when Stephen describes this same event in Acts 7.30, Stephen states, For forty years had passed, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in the bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. So both mountains interchanged for us in Scripture in the Old and New Testament. So it's something that could be debated, and I had a little debate going on in my notes in my Bible today. I wanted to correct these for whatever child, grandchild gets this Bible when I'm no longer here. I want to leave them good notes. Anyways, we find that God brought them to this place that he could make a covenant relationship with the people. In verses 3 through 6, we continue and we learn that Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, and keep my covenant, 
Then you shall be a special treasure to me above all the people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And these are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Up to now, God had been dealing with the nation of Israel under the covenant relationship that he had made with Abraham, with Isaac, and then with Jacob. And once Moses ascended that mountain, he learned that God planned to make a a covenant with the children of Israel. He wanted to form a new relationship, not to do away with the Abrahamic covenant, for they were the children of Abraham. But he was going to bring them into a, a deeper relationship, revealing to them things that he had never revealed to Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. In fact, God called them, his desire for them, to, that they would be a special treasure above all the nations of the earth, that they would be a kingdom of priests, that they would be a holy nation. God reminded them how he had bore them as if on eagles' wings as he brought them out of Egypt, how he had cared for them, how he had provided for them up to this point. And God bearing Israel on eagles' wings, it reminds us of, well, Isaiah 40, verse 31, that tells us, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Those who wait on the Lord. Are we willing to wait upon the Lord that our strength might be renewed, that we might mount up? with wings like eagles, run and not be weary. I don't even know how that could happen in my life now. Walk and not faint. But God promised the children of Israel that he would make them his own special people by having mercy upon them. And likewise, he has assured the church that we are his people, having received the mercy of God through the saving faith of Jesus Christ. Therefore, our position in Christ should have us continually declaring the praises of Jesus to others, that we would be that holy nation, that we would represent Christ in this world that we find ourselves in today. And there are so many people who need to hear the message of the gospel today. There are so many people that they're absent of hope They've been disillusioned, and and they, for many, they're realizing the disillusionment of the world. They're looking for hope, and Jesus Christ has given us the answer. In verses 7 through 9, it tells us, So Moses came and called for the elders of the people, and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered and said together, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. So Moses, becoming a liaison between God and the people, he climbs the mountain, talks with the Lord, goes down the mountain, talks with the people, climbs the mountain. It's a blessing that God touched Moses in a special way when there at the burning bush, And Scripture will remind us later that his skin became 
soft. He, he didn't appear to be like an 80-year-old man climbing back and forth up and down a mountain, even though he was 80-plus at this point. But as he descended the mountain, told the elders and all the people about God's desire to make a covenant with them, of which they pledged to obey, he went back to the Lord to bring Israel's answer to the Lord. And it's not that God did not know what Israel had said. God actually understood the nature, the heart of humanity. And so God used this process of Moses ascending and descending upon the mountain of God to solidify, one, Moses as the leader before the people, that they would hear and obey the words of Moses as he spoke the word of God to them in verse 9. Behold, I come to you in a thick cloud, the Lord says, that the people may hear when I speak to you and believe you forever. And so God here was solidifying Moses' position before the people. And as we've already learned, they've already grumbled, they've already complained against Moses, and it was only going to get worse. And so this was a significant time for the children of Israel. They needed to hear and believe. The Word of God tells us in Romans 10, 16, and 17, but they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? And then Romans ten seventeen. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. People have to hear to believe, and it's necessary for the believers of Jesus Christ today to speak forth the word of God in order that people might be able to hear the truth, that they might have that opportunity to believe the word of God. Many people don't worship, they don't praise Jesus because they have never heard the gospel and thus it's necessary for God's word to be first ignited in their hearts, to ignite that faith that they have a choice, a chance, an opportunity to believe. So the Lord gives Moses instructions for the people in verses 10 through 15 and I'll read all these verses. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. Let them be ready, for on the third day the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people, and you shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Take heed to yourselves that you should not go up to the mountain or touch its base. For Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. Either man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people, sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes, and they, he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. And so God's desire here to have a greater relationship with the children of Israel. He instructed the children of Israel to prepare to meet God on the third day. They had to consecrate, sanctify themselves. They had to wash their bodies, change their clothes, fast from sexual relations. They were also to maintain a 
a perimeter around the mountain. And if violated, they were to be put to death immediately. And truly, the fear of the Lord was to be upon the people. As the Word of God tells us in Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And so they're gaining a greater relationship with God. Just consider the people, since the days of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph having interaction with the Lord himself, we don't know how many of the children of Israel had such interaction with God as these four men had up to this point, except for here now, Moses and Aaron and Miriam, of course. But we had Abraham, who was called by God, and his son Isaac, to whom God gave the covenant of Abraham, and Isaac's son Jacob, and again the covenant of Abraham passed on to Jacob. And then we know that Joseph, becoming the savior of the world at that time, and his work that God had him do in Egypt, and bringing the children of Israel down to Egypt. They had these traditions. They had the covenant of circumcision, which they kept up to this time. But they had no written law. And now God was going to meet them in a new and a fresh way. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And the Bible tells us that after God destroyed Egypt's great army at the Red Sea, that in Exodus 14.31, Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt, and the people feared the Lord, believed the Lord and his servant Moses. And for three months, the people were led by the fear of the Lord. Yet God did not merely desire the people to have fear in him, but they wanted he wanted them to have a personal relationship with him. And for this to take place, the people had to prepare themselves. They had to prepare their heart, soul, mind, and their strength that they might stand before our holy God. Jesus talked about this in Mark twelve thirty, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And when believers in Jesus Christ love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, it has a consecrating effect upon their lives. It changes how they conduct themselves in this life. Yet, we need to understand that we're not saved by the things that we do or the things that we do not do. We are saved by the work of Jesus Christ. His death, burial, and resurrection from the dead. And because of that, then we are sanctified through faith in Jesus Christ, as 1 Corinthians 6.11 tells us. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. God works change in our hearts when we accept Jesus as our Savior and desire to walk in obedience to his word. So 16 through 25, on the morning of the third day, it tells us, verse 16, there were thunderings and lightnings 
and a thick cloud on the mountain. And the sound of the trumpet was very loud, so all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses came out of the camp with the people, and they stood at the foot of the mountain to meet with the Lord. And Mount Sinai was completely covered with smoke as the Lord descended upon it with fire. And the mountain also shook, it quaked. And the sound of the trumpet that was being heard became louder and louder as we read through this passage, we'll discover. At the same time, Moses spoke to the Lord, and he answered Moses in the hearing of the people. Then Moses ascended the mountain of the Lord. He warned God, warning Moses, saying, don't let the people break through. Don't let the people break through. And Moses saying to the Lord, well, they can't break through. You, you warned them. They're not going to do that. And Moses was to warn the priests not to approach without first consecrating themselves. In verse 22, lest the Lord would break out against them. And Moses assured the Lord that the people and the priests would not break through because of the boundaries. But God understood the hearts of men. So he told Moses to warn the people to return to the people and then return to the Lord there on top of the mountain. I kind of summarized that passage for you, verses 16 through 25. And we discover that this event magnified the dignity, the holiness, the greatness of the Lord with whom the children of Israel were about to make this covenant. And moreover, whether common people or priests, all had to sanctify, all had to consecrate themselves to stand in the presence of our holy God. The Bible, well, it asks and answers a question for us. In Psalm 119.9, I love this verse, even though it kind of doesn't apply to me anymore. How can a young man cleanse his way? I don't know why it doesn't apply anymore. How can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word. Ephesians 5, 25 through 27 tells us, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her by the washing of the water of the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot, or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she should be holy and without blemish. By taking heed according to your word, that is how we can cleanse ourselves before the Lord. But it's the Lord who does the washing. And I love this. I, I made Ephesians five twenty six kind of a key verse to our radio ministry and the cleansing word. I named it. I named my Bible the same thing, the cleansing word. Once you tear up your Bible cover and need a new cover, you can too put a different title on it if you choose to. Make sure it respects the word of God though. The cleansing word that we're washed by the water of the word. And I think as we immerse ourselves in the teaching of God's word, in the study of God's word, in the reading of God's word, it has this cleansing effect upon our lives. It's what helps us to be sanctified and cleansed before the Lord. So why would God 
bring the children of Israel into a covenant relationship that he knew they could not keep. God keeps his word, but the children of Israel would fail. And this generation especially. Of this generation, only two, Joshua and Caleb, would actually enter into the promised land. But why would God bring the children of Israel into a covenant relationship that he knew they could not keep? Well, it's for making the way of Jesus. Paul tells us that before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith of which afterwards would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Galatians 3, 23 and 24. So through faith in Jesus, we become God's own special treasure. We become a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, that we might proclaim the praises of him who has brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's what God desired. He desired a kingdom of priests. But they failed. And yet in their failure, in our failure, it points us to Jesus. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.